Hi, my name is Amanda Kasseri. My pronouns are she, her, and today is October 5th, 2023, and I'm speaking with Claire Dillon. We are recording this conversation for Open Source Stories. Um, I'm currently in what New Englanders in Vermont call peak foliage season. So all the deciduous trees around me are in full autumn colors and shedding their leaves as quickly as they possibly can. Claire, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, indeed. My name is Claire Dillon and my pronouns are she, her. I'm unfortunately not in that part of the world where there's peak foliage season and I am in Dublin, Ireland, where it is alternatively miserable and sunny and cold and warm all in the period of about an hour. So we don't know what to do over this part of the world, but uh, but that's that's part of, of autumn or fall in, in this part of the world. So we'll, we'll, we'll live with it. <laughs> yes. No, I think that's absolutely... Uh... I, I do not take for granted that the part of the world I live in right now is also this weekend uh, peak tourist season. So people come from all over the world to visit, which is it's nice to be here when you're not having to travel to it. And sometimes also helps you experience and, and appreciate the seasons elsewhere, too. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so so to kick things off, Claire, we do like to kind of start with non-technology questions. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious, is there anything bringing you joy lately? Oh, bringing me joy. Actually, I mean, interestingly, the weather when it is nice is absolutely bringing me joy. I do love a crisp autumn day. We don't get enough of them here in Dublin in, in, in the way I like them. But um, but that a walk in in a wooded park on a crisp autumn day is probably my best nature experience going. So I do I do love that. And I've had a few lately. So that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Oh, fantastic. Is there anything especially like special that you do with the walk that makes it like extra fantastic besides the kick weather the leaves can i say kick the leaves yes <laughs> absolutely <laughs> I, I don't think that joy from that ever goes away so a, a no. good old rummage in the leaves <laughs> chasing my dog is probably what, what we're talking about here <laughs> yes 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 uh i do the same i especially like it when they're so high because i have a low dog uh she's a corgi <laughs> with short legs so she sometimes it's like watching a little submarine go through piles which is my absolute favorite out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, well, I hope you get more of that, especially before uh, the weather changes completely. Me too. It's the, the problem here is when we get the rain, then they all turn soggy. That, that's not quite so yes. joyful. <laughs> no, no, that's more of like the leaf sludge than it yes. is the leaf like romp, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, so when you're not romping in the leaves with your mm -hmm. dog, um, you are quite prolific in some of the areas that we work in in an open source together. And I'm just curious, how would you describe and how do you describe your work in open source, both to folks who are very familiar and also folks who are not so familiar? Well, thank you for describing it as prolific. I I, I call it dabbling um, here, there, and everywhere. But uh, <laughs> but but we'll go with prolific. That sounds great to me. Um, so uh, I suppose in the open source world, my my work actually in this uh, sphere covers both the open source world and the inner source world, and I see them both as being very interlinked. So for those of you who may not be familiar with the inner source concept, it's the idea of using open source methods and practices, but within organisations to create proprietary code, and and that's actually how I came about joining i suppose the open source community because um the community for inner source practitioners inner source commons um that was my first introduction to open source because to be part of that community and to contribute to the inner source commons you have to do it in the open it's an open source project itself and uh that in fact was my very first pr commit in in the open source world was for inner source commons um and that was my introduction to doing open source and um it was interestingly through that community 
um, that I became involved or more interested in the work that was happening in open source program offices um, because a lot of the folks who had been involved in inner source commons worked in open source program offices. They were rolling out education programs around um, open source practices and things like that within their organizations. And so um, that involvement introduced me to this concept of open source program offices. I became involved in some of the communities that were, were looking at how you encourage the creation of open source program offices in public sector. So I worked in that area for a while. Um, and through that work, I became much more involved in understanding a little bit more about um, the, I suppose, the social and economic potential of open source beyond the open source practices, which I was already a fan of. So inner source is all about how you collaborate, how that makes it a wonderful experience for software developers. I had already bought into all of that. That was that was brilliant. Love that. Want to do more of that. Think the world should be doing more of that. Um, but when I got more involved then with the open source program offices and public sector in particular, um, I began to become more aware of the potential for open source as a whole to have a really good positive um, both social and economic impact for everyone involved in its creation, use, just the fact that it's there in the world is a better thing for many people in, in, in various different economies. So um, so that, that that was my pathway then to get more involved with open source program offices. Um, and as a result of this, this kind of journey, I ended up co-founding um, Open Ireland Network, which is a, a community in Ireland specifically, um, which is about trying to promote um, and advocate for open source at a national level in Ireland. That's um, it's a group of organisations and individuals who are interested in that in Ireland. So, like I, like I said, I dabble in many areas, um, and uh, um, but all of them incredibly rewarding and 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 really love the area. Yeah, and as uh, I will say, as someone else who I feel like has a very non-linear experience and progression, I love how you're able to describe too. It's kind of this one piece kind of leads to the next, right? Yes. Which is very much the way that I think the community, the technology and things have grown in general. Yes, well, I mean, it's, I think it's a factor and an attribute of, of the whole ecosystem. So, I, you know, open source, folks in open source and inner source actually talk about being able to scratch your own itch. I mean, part of the whole thing is the agency it gives you, right? That the, in everyone in these areas are able to follow their passions in, in as much as they follow whatever they're being told to do in, in their, in maybe in their role or their job. But open source and inner source kind of gives you that freedom to a certain degree to be able to explore what your interests are. Um, and uh, and I love that about it. Uh, and uh, and in fact, more recently, um, I've actually moved. So I, from, from my experiences with InterSource Commons, I, I actually became the inaugural executive director there for two years. Um, but recently I stepped down from that role uh, to move into an academic role. So I'm actually now doing even more exploration and research um, around the topic of InterSource. Um, uh, but again, that was, a, that was another step on the journey. I would never have found out about that opportunity had I not been involved in InterSource Commons and the open source community in Ireland. And it, the, one thing leads to another. It's, it's a, fantastic opportunity, a fantastic journey and experience. Oh, congratulations on the next step as well. Are and so, are there any research questions in particular that you are like fascinated by, or that you would be happy to share that you're working on right now? Well, and and you know, I I have to I have to kind of put a proviso at the start of this to say that my 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 biggest learning in the whole PhD experience and research experience is that. This is subject to change. In fact, I've already had you know one major pivot already <laughs> in my first year, and apparently that's okay. Don't panic, Claire. Um, <laughs> I keep saying that every morning. Um, but uh, but currently, one of the main areas that I'm particularly fascinated about is is the idea of ownership concepts in inner source or collaborative code development in general. Oh, yeah. So the idea of how people consider ownership. 
Um, even if they both talk about, you know, if two groups talk about code ownership, do they mean the same thing? Often they don't, it turns out. Um, you know, I've talked to one organization who have who had six def different definitions of what ownership meant, and, and they couldn't actually agree that it might be a good idea to have one definition. They were like, oh, no, no, we're all fine having six different definitions. And you're like, well, that could cause confusion when, you know, and, and perhaps conflict when people are trying to collaborate on things and we have two different definitions of who owns what. Um, but so I, I love that. I love that that whole area of, of exploration because I think it, it involves both organizational um, constraints, but it also involves psychology to some degree as well. So mm -hmm. it's, it's a mm -hmm. interesting area to explore. Yes, I, I, I completely uh, empathize and sympathize with the researcher aspect of wouldn't it be nice if we had one definition to rule them all and the rest of reality telling you that sounds nice. That's not the way it's going to work. Sure, it keeps us busy. That's that's what I say. You know, that's, that's exactly that's exactly what, what we're here for. <laughs> so I, I I do want to then. So you'd mentioned the pivot and the research pivot, and because um, I want to, as someone else who uh, likes to discuss the like things don't work out the way you expected them to. Is there anything else about that experience where you had to make a shift of like assumptions you were making and the direction you were going that you'd be willing to share with us today? Well, I mean, um, part of the pivot I, I I didn't actually share right now. So, so one of one of the realizations that I had in in my first year is that, and again, I hear I hear this is a common a common complaint among right, right. early stage PhD candidates. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I was I was trying to boil the ocean. So I was I was looking at a mm. much too broad a set of, of of areas, and I think I even just described them there. My my interest areas do spread right through from. The, the, right from the whole idea of how organizations and how they're constructed can constrain and limit collaboration opportunities right through to the bit that I love, which is that psychology piece, which is, you know, you know, don't touch my code. It's my baby. I don't, you know, <laughs> yes. I might say, I want you to contribute to this, but I don't really think you're worthy. You know, that kind of thing, <laughs> that, that sort of, um, that sort of perception can sometimes come into um, limiting collaboration within organizations or certainly that's the feedback we here from our, from our community in Intersource Commons. Yeah. Um, I love all that, but it's far too broad. So, so now, yeah. what my, my my main the biggest kind of realization is that I really need to kind of limit what I'm looking at in in the early stages. Maybe I, maybe I'll go further into the psychology areas early later. But um, but that's such a broad area to to actually visit that I think I might be better off with something that's a little bit more well defined earlier. And uh, and maybe I'll move there in in later years. Yeah. I, I'm I'm sincerely hoping that you do have the opportunity to do that. I I have talked with folks before, especially contributors. I think that um, you know that concept around <laughs> contribution models, where people fit in, where we ask and invite. Uh, I don't know that we I, I see enough conversation around also how um, not ego but fear plays a role in how folks decide to share things or what happens when they do share their work. And if that work becomes popular or used to a level that they either did not anticipate or maybe they're now concerned about if I no longer wanna work on this or if I move away from this, what does that do for me? Not just reputationally, but like, what does that do for my opportunity to get a job? Um, what does that do for my opportunity to have future professional career? And there is actually a lot of fear that exists, I think, for folks that we we tend to attribute towards maybe other aspects, but at its heart, it comes down to a separate set of questions or intentions. Yeah, and I, I love that. And actually, that that idea of 
fear and the the triggers for psychological fear and and our our, our physiological reaction to that i i find that yeah. fascinating i actually did a talk on that in, in fast backstage last year it was around mm -hmm. this whole idea of triggers and um the the scarf model um by by david rock which is which is actually an entire psychological framework for for describing how um we we in, inadvertently trigger people's um basically lizard brain and and cause this kind of panic reaction yeah. and why that why and how that can actually be um come up all the time when we're having these conversations about but sure why wouldn't you open your code and why wouldn't you collaborate openly and we we, we just assume that that's the right thing to do but but yeah. we don't realize that we're sometimes attacking people's feelings of security or their feelings of certainty or even even their understanding of connectivity and how how they interact with other people so there's so many different of these psychological frameworks that if we look at them you can immediately see how they actually do impact people's and whether it's whether it's even consciously or subconsciously it's yeah. impacting people's reactions and their um, the way that they collaborate with others. And fundamentally, it comes down to this idea of trust and trusting relationships and how do we build that? Because that's that's where it not only gives you, um, where, where it kind of reduces any of the conflict areas, but it actually can actually, believe it or not, um, drive you to have feelings like where all the positive hormones are released and, and all this, you know, serotonin yeah. and all these sort of things, like if you're eating chocolate or falling in love. Ooh. And uh, there's, yeah, no, there's all sorts of, <laughs> research that would say that when we when we do it right it yeah. can be it can be really really wonderful positive experience that everyone and that's why everyone says that developer satisfaction goes up when you start working in an open collaborative way partially yeah. because all of these really good feelings come about from when, when we feel like we're working well with other people and um, but that's and so that's all coming from the psychology side of things and that that whole um uh that that interaction between our you know physiology and psychology i think it's fascinating but i mean look i mean i didn't even mention that in the first list this is you see you see <laughs> like, look, I, this could go on forever this research <laughs> oh yeah no no this is fantastic because now i also i'm super curious as if you have not found this yet, or if you are a suspect around um, where that differences may also lie with the difference between inner source and open source, because initially I was like, well, maybe the inner source is a trusted group. But then at the same time, maybe it's low, it's actually higher risk, because these are folks who are much closer to you and have a very um, immediate ability to have an impact on your organizational success on your professional success in a way that has different constraint models. And even though it's like, a different kind of scale and maybe has higher weight. Um, so now I'm super curious about that. Yeah, as well. I, think, I think there are pros and cons to that because I mean, yeah. there, it's definitely a different environment. And I think there are also what I have, what I usually think about is the fact that there are different levers to pull when you're in a consistent environment. So for example, yeah. um, if yeah. you are trying to create or reward collaborative behavior, you probably have more ways to do that within an organization than you perhaps do in an open source project, because you don't know, or you don't have even the legal means by which to reward people, or, you know, there's, it, it may be a much more diverse community that you're trying to work with. Uh, but with yeah. your, when you're inside an organization, you've got things like bonuses, you've got things like, you know, you've well-established ways to right. call right. people out in a good way and reward their behavior. So there are different levers to pull. Um, some of some of the scenarios that 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 we would we would talk about seem very similar to to the kind of context and scenarios that you hear about in the open source community, like, you know, conflicts between people who just are different types of people and interact in different ways or communicate in different ways will happen whether you're in an organization or whether you're out in, you know, in an open source community where you where you don't know uh, where people are coming from. 
so there are some fundamentals to, I suppose, great, great um, communication, how you um, communicate with people, how you, you know, how you would uh, acknowledge their contributions. All of those sort of things are kind of consistent principles. Um, but yeah. as I said, maybe different levers that you can pull within organizations that you may not be able to pull in the open source community. And but vice versa, there are some things that happen in the open source community that perhaps are constrained within uh, a corporation. So, yeah. you know, that, that, that you know, I, I've, I've met folks in corporations who are doing both inner source and perhaps even open source where they are so scared. We talked about this fear earlier. They're so scared mm -hmm. of triggering some corporate bureaucra bureaucratic process or, or yeah. slap on the wrist that they're afraid mm -hmm. to do things in the open or, or say something that they might otherwise say. Um, whereas there's, there's much less of a fear of that in, in the open source community. So pros and cons, I think, that are things that you yeah. can, you can that are better and some are worse. Yeah. So, so speaking of pros and cons, what do you think is open source's greatest remaining potential? Like for like the thing that kind of keeps you involved potential. and keeps you moving forward. Potential. The greatest. The, yeah. The greatest potential is getting it out from just developers in my mind. So, so, and I, yeah. I say this, I'm biased. I, I come from. I'm. I'm not really a, a techie in that respect. I'm not a developer. So my first pull request involved a lot of. What button do I press here now? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Everybody <laughs> says, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Maybe that's not just not like people, but um, but 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 I did come from that world, and um, and I think uh, you know, I've always worked with developers, but I wouldn't have never necessarily wouldn't be let let alone with a with a you know, um, building anything by myself or anything like that. Um, but but I would say that I think that there is a huge potential to introduce more people who do not have a technical background to both inner source and open source because it is a wonderful way to collaborate and. I remember the joy I got on when my first um, contribution was accepted. My first PR was was um, merged, and I mean, I literally went on a high. I was like, "This is amazing!" I, I went and made a change, and then I went and figured out how to do it, and I did it with help. And look at this! Woo, I can see my change there. And I was going around going. And I yeah. remember people saying, you know, it's not always this pleasant. And I was like, but this is just, everyone should be doing this. Why doesn't everyone know the power of like collaboration? And yeah. uh, um, it, it, I had to be reminded that perhaps it's not always such a pleasant experience. And sometimes right. it's a long, lone, hard, lonely road. But um, uh, but at the same time, when you find the right community where people are there willing to help and mentor and 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 just encourage each other, that I, I, for me, I, I feel lucky enough to to have my first experience be in Inner Source Commons, where I feel that that was the kind of community it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was that, it's so much potential to bring in people so so far beyond. I think where we even think now that that people can be evolved. And certainly my work more recently in the academic space, where most of the folks who are thinking about open source in the academic space are dealing with people who are not developers at all. Like, it, you know, they do they do software development maybe as a, as a secondary, maybe even a third level competency beyond their first major area of concern. It's, it's just something that has to be done to maybe get their research out in the world. Right. Uh, and I think about that and I think about how the open source world and the inner source world need to be aware of the fact and cognizant of the fact that a lot of our language and communication assumes a knowledge of technology maybe or assumes a software development background and how mm -hmm. can we open that up so that more people get that joy and the value of of that collaborative um creation and and, and sharing it's um it's so powerful and it's just so so the way things should be done so i think more people should get it <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I am so sorry because I realize we are actually running really up on time. I have very many more questions to ask you, but uh, I I do want to keep 
at least two, like, I want to make sure we get two in at the end. So one, the last, the, one of them is, um, so where do you see, so more people get involved, things are happening, commons exist. What do you hope to see in open source for the next five to 10 years, which is a shorter timeline than we actually, I think, all take for granted. Yeah. Um, what do I hope to see? I, I think... I think there's a lot of things changing in open source at the moment. There's a lot of, um, you know, everything from, you know, how do we define open source AI to uh, regulatory changes in places like Europe, which was a very big topic most recently around the Cyber Resiliency Act. People don't understand how that's going to impact open source. Um, my hope for the next five years is twofold. It's, it's one that more people understand the value and the potential and of the social and, and economic impact of open source, as well as that great psychological benefit that can come with it. Um, so that would have always been my hope. But that is now, you know, I think it's even more challenging in the current complex scenario. So I would also hope that we get through this area of ambiguity to, to maybe get clarity about the impact and how we can deal with that in the open source community as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's, uh, I think it's spot on for the, uh, where we are now and where we need to address things immediately and where we're also concerned for long-term. Um, so thank you. So, so last one, unfortunately, because I could talk to you, we have to do this again. Uh, do you have any parting thoughts or words of advice for listeners today? Ooh, parting words of advice. Um, I, I would say, I mean, I'm hoping that everyone listening to this has had a marvelous experience of of being part of an open source community. If you haven't, and this is your like, you know, I'm just considering it, please do try and find a great community and have a go because it's just so rewarding. And if you have, tell someone about it. Tell someone who's not a techie, who you would not you would not imagine might appreciate it, but perhaps should try it. Um, maybe that's my parting advice or ask for people. No, I love that. I love the, uh, don't just um, open the door, but open the door and invite people in, right? As yes. to like when you've, and if you haven't found the right door, there's other ones, which you can try another one. And yeah. they would <laughs> love you to be there. Well, wonderful. Indeed. Thank you, Claire, so much for joining us today. I'm sorry this was such a short time, but uh, it was a delight. And hopefully we can speak again soon. Thank you, Amanda. I look forward to that. Thanks so much.